Wow, I was uh, looking forward to singing those songs all week, but I was not prepared for how powerful that moment was going to be today. Uh, thank you, worship team, worship choir, for leading us this morning, and appreciate you guys so much. Well, if you have a Bible, if you would, take it and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to get to our text here in just a few moments. And as you're making your way there to Ephesians chapter 4, I want to make mention of a couple of things, just some, some business, I guess, this morning. And that would be if you have a bulletin in front of you, we'd love for you to grab that and slide it into your Bible, into your purse, and take that with you this week for a couple of different reasons. One is announcements are in there of some special things like our ladies' retreat, and, and Joseph just mentioned that in our video announcements, but... I really want to encourage our ladies today that if you have not signed up yet for our ladies' retreat, we would love for you to do that. It's $45, and it looks different than it has in the past this year for a lot of different reasons. But maybe in the past, you, you were unable to go. Maybe you didn't want to dedicate two, two days to an, over, an overnight trip. You just weren't able to make that happen. Uh, but this year's different. You only have to dedicate a portion of one day, and it's cheaper. And so this would be the year to, to try it out if you have never gone before. And maybe you've gone in the past and you haven't gone in a few years. I would love to encourage you to go and be a part of that. You can sign up at the, uh, I think you can sign up at the Hub today, right? You can sign up at the Hub today, 45 bucks. Sign up if you have not yet. Also, we have listed in our bulletin several needs in our church, specifically in Hill Kids. And we would love for you to, if you're able, to fill any of those needs if that is possible. Also printed in our prayer list is our prayer list. And we want you to be praying for our brothers and our sisters in Christ who uh, are encountering a various uh, group of, of needs. I mean, there's a lot of things that are going on. There are a lot of people who are dealing with Difficult circumstances, sickness, disease, cancer, the loss of loved ones, specifically the Bates family, as you'll see that printed in there this morning. And so we really want to encourage you to be praying for our church family each and every day, each and every week. And we print that on purpose. If you would like updates throughout the week, you can get that in your email inbox twice a week on Tuesday and on Friday. And you can sign up for that at mywhbc.com. That's when, if things come in on Monday or things come in on a Thursday, you may not know about those, and they could be on the urgent nature, and so we would love for you to get those updates and be praying for your brothers and sisters even throughout the week. Well, if you have your Bibles in Ephesians 4, we're going to get there in just a, a moment, but I wanted to start our time together with just a reminder this morning of who, of who I am and who our pastors are. And Paul writes to Timothy in a couple of books Later, past Ephesians, you don't have to turn there, but he says in 2 Timothy 1, Paul says to Timothy, Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me a prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus. And it's for this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. And this is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what he has entrusted to me. And then Paul tells Timothy to follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love 
that are in Christ Jesus, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. And so that is an important challenge to me as a senior pastor and to our entire pastoral staff. And it's really a challenge to everyone who holds the office of pastor or who finds themselves in an under-shepherd position inside the church. That as a pastor and as pastors here at this church, we are, we are called to, to guard the good deposit. That deposit is the truth that we find in our Bibles and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we are to guard against anything in this world that would distract us from remaining focused on that core truth. And so I wanted to start our time this morning by making that very clear. That as your pastor, that is of utmost important to me. It's the most important thing to me is this book that we read and we study each and every week. That the gospel is what changes lives. That I stand here as a pastor not because I went to college, not because I got voted in as your senior pastor, but because God, through Jesus Christ, saved me and gave me a reason to preach. And that's why I do what I do, and that's why our pastors do what they do. And that's why we encourage you to do what we encourage you to do each and every day. And that is to follow Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So if you have your Bibles open, I want to read a familiar section of Scripture this morning that we have read, we've studied several times. But it's going to set the table for for some of the things that we're going to talk about this morning and... What we're going to go through this morning. So if you're there in Ephesians 4, we're going to begin reading together in verse 11. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. In that text, you see a challenge for the the church to grow deeper and to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. And that is our goal. That is our goal as a church. That is our goal as a ministry in this community. And that is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And if you... Uh, If you've been around here for any amount of time, you know that hundreds of times a year, I make it very clear what our mission is. That our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. It's, It's not more complicated than that for us. That everything that we, we strive to do as church leaders, it revolves around this idea of developing and equipping people to pursue 
a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. That there is no greater relationship. That there is nothing greater than Jesus. And that truth doesn't change because the culture changes. That truth doesn't change because we've had a bad week or a bad day or because of what's going on in the political landscape. That truth doesn't change if we're being attacked and we're being persecuted as Christ followers. That truth stands firm. That is our mission. And this mission is what guides everything that we do. When we sit down and we plan, when we dream, and we talk about the future, this is our filter. That there are a lot of really good things that we could be doing as, as the church, as Christians, as pastors. There's a million really good things that we could be doing. But we want to make sure we're doing the best things and the right things. And you've probably seen these, these posters hanging on our walls, but we, we have something called core values in our church, and I don't talk about them very often, but they are underneath just about everything that we communicate from the main stage. And there's seven of them. And the first one is belong, because this is the most important one. That we belong to Christ by faith in him alone. That this whole thing is built on Jesus. That if we remove Jesus from the conversation, we have nothing to say. That we have, we have nothing to talk about. We belong as Christ followers to Jesus. The second one is grow. That we grow in Christ by knowing and following his word. So Jesus is what we build this whole thing on. And we can only walk with him and we can only know him and we can only serve him. And we can only be the things that he wants us to be if we're growing in accordance to what he says in his word. This is why Bible preaching is the, the, the most essential part of every aspect of our church. The third thing is connect. That we join with Christ by living in community with those in the body. This is body life. This is Sunday. This is us gathering together to worship together in community. This is the whole reason why we do in-home small groups throughout the week. Because community is important. That we are better together. That we, we, are, we are better when we're working in community with one another. And then give. We prioritize Christ by giving of our resources and our time towards his purposes. That we only have a certain amount of time in this life. And we need to be giving it to things that matter. And then we serve. That we reflect Christ by serving inside and outside the church. Saved people serve. If you are saved, then you should be an imitator of your Savior, and he served. And so this is important for our church, that we are called to be a serving church. And then these two are some of my favorites. Train. We imitate Christ by equipping others to be disciples. It's another core value of our small group ministry, that our small group ministry exists to facilitate the process of making disciples. That you, as a Christ follower, you are called to make disciples. We are all trainers. You are a trainer, I am a trainer. We are called to train. And then the last one is send. We share Christ by proclaiming the gospel 
to the world around us. And so these are very important. They're not groundbreaking because we develop them or because they're hanging on the wall, but we see them in our Bibles. And our Bibles call us to be different. And so this morning what I, what I want to do is I want to have a, a, a different kind of conversation than what we're used to. And next Sunday we're going to get back to our message series called Abide and studying the book of John chapter 15 specifically. And I'm looking forward to continuing that discussion next week. But this week's a little bit different. Because it's, it's pretty obvious that a lot of things are shifting. That a lot of things are changing in our culture. A lot of things are changing in, in the political realm. A lot of things are changing in the, the church, the big C church, that's the, the global church. There's a lot of things that are changing. And there are things that have changed and are changing here in our church. And so as we navigate change, as we navigate things that look different, we thought that it was important, I thought it was important that we have a, a conversation with you today. And so I'm going to invite our pastoral staff to the platform, if you guys would, join me here at our table. And we're going to have a conversation this morning with you, and we're going to answer some, some questions that some of you have had. We're going to navigate some things that you may not know about, and we're going to remind the church family who it is that we are and what it is that we're doing. And there's a series of questions that are going to be asked this morning, and I'm looking forward to that, that moment. I'm going to make fun of some guys, too. I'm looking forward to that. But we all, we all know that, that change can be hard. Change is not something that I think many of us enjoy because it challenges us to step outside of a lot of things. Uh, preference, assumptions, uh, sometimes we get stuck, sometimes we feel things that we don't even know why we feel them. But change is hard. But one thing that is certain is that change is not a bad thing. That change is a good thing. I'm so glad somebody thought that there was a reason to develop the air conditioner. I'm glad that change took place. I really am glad that that, that took place. So change is not always a bad thing. But change can be uncomfortable. And I don't always like change. You don't always like change. That is the obvious thing. But one thing is clear. Change is vital in just about any organization. Change is important whether you're a, a business leader or whether you're a church leader. And so this morning we're going to talk a little bit about change, but really we're going to just talk about who we are as pastors, as your pastors. But more importantly, as, as spokesmen for Jesus. And that's who we want to please. I want to make something clear this morning that it's going to possibly come across in a harsh way, and, and please don't take it that way. This church is not your church. This church is, is not my church. 
this church belongs to Jesus Christ. We're humans, and we're making decisions. I happen to be the under-shepherd of this church, and I, I happen to be the guy that makes most of the decisions that you love and hate. But Jesus is in charge. And so as we have these conversations and we talk about some of these things that we're going to talk about this morning, please remember that, that Jesus is in charge, and he's got this, and we're humans, and we make mistakes, and we fail, and we do the wrong thing, but we love Jesus. And that's why our mission statement is so clear, that we exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't want you to be in a growing relationship with me, but I want you to be in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we... We have some, some questions that we're going we're gonna to walk through this morning. And uh, so I got the team on the, on the stage because one of the most, one of the biggest changes that has taken place in our church in the last 12 months has been this, well, well COVID. <laughs> that was the biggest change. It forced all kinds of things for us to think through a lot of different things. But... We have been gathering together in one service since May. And we've been experimenting, learning new things about who we are as a church, figuring out what our identity is, where we want to go, all of the above. And so for the last nine and a half, almost ten months, we've been meeting together in one service. And I shared all the way back in October, the first Sunday of October, that we were going to continue with that process or that, that structure of having one main worship service in our church life and our body life. And then we were going to have Sunday school classes uh, before that. And so when I made that statement, a lot of things happened, a lot of things were said. And so it's really hard sometimes to communicate all of the details. And when you hear from one voice, that's all you hear is one voice. But there are seven of us sitting here at the table, and we make a lot of decisions in team. Yes, I am the senior leader. I'm, I'm the boss, for lack of better terms. I make the final decision, and, and I made the final decision when it came to this process of having one service. And, and I make a lot of the decisions on what that looks like each and every weekend. But we had a lot of conversations about this process as a team. And I don't want to, I guess I don't want to guess at it, but I mean, we're talking days worth of meetings. Hours upon hours of conversations went into some of the things that you're experiencing today. And we'd made that decision as a team. And there were a lot of things that we had to work through. But one of the questions that I wanted to ask our pastors, and I wanted them to weigh in on, is, is during those seasons when we were making those decisions, when we were talking about this, this idea of having one service, what, what happened during those discussions that helped us make this decision, or brought clarity to this decision? Whoever wants to go first. <laughs> I've done all the talking, so somebody needs to talk. Well, I, I suppose uh, to a large degree it was the growing in my own heart. I can only speak directly for myself, but I think Pastor Andrew would share in this and all of our team really is that there was this growing sense of tension in how to practically 
join together not only styles of music, but also the teammates who are involved in the process as well. And uh, it was sometimes a hard shifting of gears. And in the past, for a long, long time, this church's answer to that would be, well, you do a couple contemporary songs and then you shift gears real hard and you do a couple traditional songs and and it gave the the service a very disjointed kind of a feel and and even going more fundamentally to that point was the fact that for the longest time this church was divided in two and uh, I I've had a 40-year history with this over 40-year history with this church and the, some of, of most of the greatest moments of my life and also most of the most difficult moments in my life have been shared by this church family. And many of those people are gone. I've said goodbye to them. I've stood at their gravesides and, and I've seen some of them move on and move away. And, and then I've had the joy of seeing a lot of them grow up here. Well, there's just so much diversity within this body and we've tried to minister to that diversity, but I think we clearly found that to do that with two separate services was becoming uh, more a source of division than it was a source of unity and a source of, of the sense of growing together in the grace and knowledge of Christ. So for me, it was difficult to work this shifting, and I think I began to sense in my heart that maybe I wasn't the guy to carry us forward um, with this. And I didn't feel that way with rancor. I want you to hear that. I didn't feel that with bitterness. I felt that with a sense of God's continuous calling on my life as he does that with each one of us here. And he moves us through various phases of our lives. And sometimes those phases come simply because of physical or emotional things or just changes in our lives. And I had come to the point where I felt like maybe I just wasn't the guy to musically move us forward in this unifying sort of a way. And we all began to sense it was an amazing time. I mean, there were tears. There were, literally, there were tears on most of our faces, and, uh, and there, there was some really strong, difficult conversation, not in a disrespectful way, but in a loving, affirming way. And I can remember how difficult it was for Pastor Andrew to come to this epiphany that maybe he was the guy that God was calling, and um, I hope I'm not stealing a little bit, yeah. I'll stop there. <laughs> I'll All stop. Right, I'll done, stop there. So, no. <laughs> when I you give Pastor Eric a mic, it's uh, it's dangerous. I, I can re- I can remember this the conversation coming up fairly early mm. um, in March. In March, because of the nature of what we were forced to have to rethink um, at the beginning of COVID, it wasn't anything about you know let's just shake something up because or let's change some things because today's Tuesday and why not? It was. <laughs> It was, we have no way to do what we normally do. Mm-hmm. And we've got to do, we have to do something different. It caused this reset um, almost. And I remember every conversation um, never, never starting with anything other than if we're going to say that we are one church family, that we're going to be one church body, we might should be one church body. Um, we might should, should actually carry out that idea of knowing each other, worshiping together, being in the room and celebrating and hurting and praying and singing and reading the word together as as one family and then 
um, from there, different things starting to spring. But I, I, I always remember um, in these discussions, in these conversations, whether they were quick or whether they were long and deep, always coming back to the, the Bible says we're, we're one. We can't be one if we're two. Mm-hmm. And not to make this about math. But yeah. <laughs> well, I'm terrible at it, so I'm glad you clarified. You clarified there. One other thing that's, um, <laughs> that Sorry. we t- uh, kind of talked about and we really felt was with the two services um, that we had two different teams of serving, uh, people serving. And that made it difficult with um, even the, our tech ministry, um, but also greeters and uh, children, children's and different things. It may just made it tough um, as, you know, leading those teams, two separate teams to serve. Mm-hmm. Awkward silence. <laughs> no, <laughs> you said it all. <laughs> I, I guess I don't want to sound like a broken record, but kind of feeding off Pastor Andrew and Pastor Eric, uh, when when this question came up, I. It wasn't even like, oh, I'm on staff here. It was when, when my wife and I first started coming here. Um, the very first time we came here, we loved everything about West Hill. Um, and we, we weren't married at the time, but right after service, we went out to lunch, and I was like, like if we get married and we have kids, this is where I want to be. I, I know. And I wasn't even saved. Like, I didn't, I, which was super weird. <laughs> um, but I wasn't. I wasn't saved. Are so. you saved now? It depends on the Okay. <laughs> officially, yes. The recording. <laughs> yeah, officially, yes. Um, and so when this question came up, I thought the only thing that I, I wasn't comfortable with that I saw a couple months like down the road was the, the divide in the church. Um, and I was like, I, d- I don't really know how we can be a church family with, you know, with having the divide. So when this, when this came up of, oh, we should go to one service, it, to me it was a no-brainer because... Again, I wasn't even on staff, and I, I had seen that. Um, and so, you know, when this, when this came up, I just thought, okay, we, you know, we are one family, and, and we should be doing things together. And so it was, it was kind of an easy decision for me to just be like, yeah, like, why not go to one service and, and do this together because that's what we're called to do. Um, yeah, thanks, Kyle. I think the, the, the language that was used by some of our staff members for a long time was we are two churches renting the same space. And that's what it really felt like on our end as church leaders. Now, you may not have experienced that sitting in, in, the, in the pew. You may not have experienced that just in, in the 60 minutes or the 90 minutes that you spend in the building on a weekend. But, but it was at times excruciating for us as church leaders to figure out how to navigate what we were we couldn't even figure out who we were, and that's really, Andrew just highlighted it. When we hit March, and we had to go online exclusively, and we had to make decisions as, as, a, as a team, we realized quickly that we had church one team, and then we had church two team. And we, we did not, we, we came together, and we did, we did events together, but when it came to the weekend services, we, we, we literally did not know what to do. And so we had to have some very clarifying conversations as a team and some hard conversations as a team. And, and that led us to where we are today. And, and we're not delusional by any, by any means. We know that this is painful, this is hard, this is challenging, that there, there are reasons for everybody to feel the way that they feel. But we really, after, after the, the September 
conversation, it was, it was clear that this was, this was where, where we needed to go and what we needed to do, and we had to understand that there would be losses attached to that as well. But there have been so many great gains, and there is a, a unity that I feel now that I've never felt, and specifically as your senior pastor, but even before that. Uh, there are things that are just, they've changed. They're different. I don't know if you guys would feel, would feel that, that same thing. And we don't mean that there's an absence of conflict, but when we sit down to have a conversation about what we're doing in the future, there's, there's a clarity around it. And we, we now know how to make those decisions, even if they're the hard decisions. So, Pastor Eric mentioned it a little bit. I don't know if you guys, if Cedric or Josh, if you guys have anything to add to that part. Okay. Uh, yeah. Pastor Eric kind of mentioned it already, but with, with these types of changes that come, come some staffing shifts that, that some, of our, some of our jobs have changed, or you know, my job never really changes. It's always the same. These guys are always shifting and always, always navigating some of the things that are happening. And so Pastor Eric just mentioned it, that when we started having some of these conversations about next steps or what the future looked like, uh, really, it really did become clear that that there was a different role that, that we believe God had in store for Pastor Eric in our congregation. And, and then that there was somebody else already on our staff that was ready to assume other responsibilities that he had that would help take us into the future. And so, so Pastor Eric's role is shifting not, not, not in a, a demotion kind of way, but in he's filling a a unique need that our church has had for a long time. And with what we're navigating even in our culture right now is, is a challenge. And that is, is care, care ministry. And so loving on people, shepherding people through sickness, loss of a loved one, all of the things that come along with care ministry. And so Pastor Eric is going to, is going to be fulfilling that main Role. He's going to be an assistant pastor, an associate pastor, and our care pastor. And so he's going to be teaching uh, a Sunday school class. He's going to be on our main preaching team now. It's been Cedric and I mainly, but now Pastor Eric's going to join that team. He's preaching here in January. And he's going to be developing what our care ministry is going to look like. Now, there's a lot of opinions out there that as the senior pastor, I should be able to shepherd in an intimate way this entire congregation. I'm not Superman, and neither was Paul, and Paul couldn't shepherd everybody in all the churches that he started and that he pastored, and that has become a heavy burden for, for me to carry, and we've all carried it, but there's an expectation that that all falls on me, and it's just literally impossible, and Pastor Eric is extremely gifted in the area of care, and em- he's, he's, he's empathetic, and he is, we just didn't have a, a real good system, and so Pastor Eric is going to, going to be leading that ministry, prayer ministry, developing our prayer chain, uh, leading all the aspects of our prayer ministry, our prayer lists, uh, developing teams to pray, developing teams to better care for our body in conjunction with small groups, and, and so many areas, and then Pastor Andrew is going to remain our student pastor, but he's going to be leading our congregational worship on Sunday mornings, and Pastor Eric's going to continue to lead the worship choir. And so I know there's been a little bit of rumor out there as to what's happening and what's going on. Well, there it is. That's what it is. 
Andrew's leading corporate worship on Sundays and leading our student ministry. That's not changing. Pastor Eric is leading our choir and becoming an associate pastor and de dealing with our care needs. And so that leads us into the second part of our conversation this morning. And that is where I really want you, our church family, to get to know each one of our pastors a little bit better. There, I worked on staff here for almost three years, and people didn't even know what my name was. They didn't know what my role was. I would get stopped out in the hallway one time. Somebody thought I was the intern, and I, it was like two weeks before the vote for me to become senior pastor. So, like, it, yeah, it was, yeah. So, maybe you just don't know who we are and what we do. I mean, there are some faces up here right now that some of you are like, well, I didn't know he worked here. And, and so we want you to hear a little bit about us. And so we got Kyle Hart down here on the end. We got Dave Curie. We got Andrew, Pastor Eric, and Cedric, and, and Josh. And we all have specific roles that we, we play. But I want to start with Pastor Eric. And as, as you think about your new role, in a condensed way here. <laughs> in a condensed fashion, um, I'll zap him with a, with a, with a zapper. Uh, what, are you, what are you most excited about as you look at the future, your new position, some of the things you're going to get to do? What are you most excited about when it comes to that, that role? And what's it going to look like? Well, I, uh, I love the opportunity that I'm going to have for the first time in nearly 40 years of ministry to be a little more free to connect with all ages of our people. Uh, I love children, and uh, people know that I have a great love for senior adults, and, but I just really do love people, all, all people in between. And for me to have the freedom uh, for the first time in my ministry life to kind of roam a little bit more, to connect with people and to be available to maybe take a moment in the hallway a little bit more than I, I have been. Um, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about connecting with people. And uh, I want people to, to sense the warmth of our church through uh, the care that not only I can provide, but the various people, like-minded people who are excited about being a part of care ministry. Uh, and that what energizes all of that and what is the most powerful privilege we possess as believers is prayer. And uh, so the, the two of them go together exceptionally well. And I'm excited about uh, kind of, I, I won't, I, I guess I could use the word re-energizing as we kind of uh, uh, kind of restart some of these prayer ministries, give them a fresh vision, recruit more people. Um, and I'm hoping that many people sitting in this room and people who are watching online will choose in the coming weeks and months to participate in our various prayer ministries. There are a number of them that happen that happen at special at uh, scheduled times throughout the week as well as uh, from home. And so I would invite people to be a part of that. But I'm I'm just thrilled about that opportunity to help connect and care for our body mm. more and have the freedom to do so. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing you preach more. So it's thank an you. It's an, it's, it's an opportunity that he hasn't had had as much. You haven't had that opportunity over the years as often based on the, the way you were stretched in your role. And, and mm -hmm. I mean, uh, we, we, everybody has their different workloads, but I, can, I have been amazed that, that this 62-year-old man was able to do some of the things that he was doing 
he was, uh, when I first, when, uh, four or five years ago, he was teaching a Sunday, Sunday class. He was leading the choir. He was leading worship. He was leading our senior adults. He was, you were just about doing everything. And so I, I, I'm amazed that he was able to accomplish all the things that he accomplished, but I'm really looking forward to some of the things that he's going to do in the future. And we've been talking about this for quite some time, and so I'm excited about that. And I've got to not talk so much because we're going to run out of time. So I'm going to switch gears and, and go over to Pastor Andrew. You know, worship ministries pretty obvious what you do. You, you sing, you sing, and uh, play the guitar and plan songs, and I mean, there's a lot that goes into that, but specifically, as we talk about student ministry, as we look at our student ministry, and there's a lot of things that you, that you're doing with students, and, um, you know, so as we look at, at students, what are some of the biggest obstacles that students, in our church specifically, but maybe in our culture, are facing, and how does your vision for your ministry, for this ministry, help your team make a lasting impact on students? Yeah. Um, the easiest way to answer what's, what's in front of our students, what are our students facing, what are students all over the world facing, is, is, is not going to sound all that surprising, because especially if you're an adult, think about the things that you're facing. Sadly enough, every one of our students face the exact same things, whether it's anxiety, depression, it's the most, our students from 13 to 18 are the most stressed teenagers there have ever been in the history of the, of the world, uh, whether it's, uh, maybe it's sexual temptation, whether it's question of identity, who am I, why am I here, what am I supposed to do, it's job stress, it's school stress, it's uncertainty, and again, unfortunately, that's something that every single one of us look at and face, um, that presents our students with a really, really difficult kind of life road ahead of them. Um, realistically, the only way down that road for any of us, adult to, to the youngest child, is, is having a clear focus on where to go. And that, that can only be done with Jesus. Um, the only way that we can get through any of these things, the only way that we can face life, the only way that we can deal with the unquestionable anxieties and depression and stress and temptations and all of the above is is Jesus. That I know that sounds like the, the really simple answer. Spoiler, it's the right answer. <laughs> like It just is. Um, I, and thank you for not stealing this because I'm going to say it now. <laughs> I, I wrote it down. <laughs> uh, I, I saw a quote the other day that, that, that said, no, whatever you're trying to achieve, Jesus is better. So much of, of, of our American life is built on how can I be better? How can I get more? This, this sense of, of achievement, this sense of not being content, this sense of feeling like I'm not enough because I don't have enough or because I can't do as much as the next person or I'm not successful enough. And again, those are things that if you're an adult, I know those ring true in my life and I go, those are things I have to think about. Well, unfortunately, that's also what your 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 year old has to think about. Uh, that presents some, again, some strange <coughs> challenges, but it also presents a couple opportunities and I'll, I'll be here eventually as, as my boys grow up we may feel like as parents and I feel like it now already that our kids are hard to relate to or students are hard to relate to or I just don't know what they're going through you can throw that out the window you know exactly what they're going through they're going through the same things you are it may look a little different it may present specifically a little different but they're the same things does that present for some awkward conversations, yes. 
those are worth being awkward for. <laughs> They're worth feeling awkward for. Your, your, your child, your student is worth feeling that for. And you may feel like you can't relate, but I promise you have some of those things in common. You just do. Um, in our ministry, we try, to, we try to help our students navigate life. Everything we kind of do is looked at through this kind of three-fold lens. The, the first part is unquestionably Jesus. We look at and we talk about and we preach and we teach who Jesus is. How are we supposed to follow him? And what do we do with that? What is, how does that change our life? When we look at all of these things that we're faced with, well, how does Jesus help us deal with them? What does Jesus teach on? How do we use that teaching tomorrow at school or, or on Zoom um, or at work or in our family? And so Jesus is always at the forefront, at the center of, of any kind of vision or strategy or method for, for trying to reach people and also for trying to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If Jesus isn't there, we can't lead anybody in a growing relationship with him. Um, and so we, we, we always try to focus on that. And then our other things are, are really represented in, in the whole church. Um, we want to supply a safe place, a safe community um, with Christian adults for students to connect to, who can help guide them, where they can ask questions, where they can be vulnerable, where they can search for answers, where they can wrestle with who Jesus is, what the Bible says, how to, how to deal with life because of those things. And then we try to make it a place where they can connect with each other, where community is found and it's welcoming and it's a sense of belonging. We, I use the, fam the word family too many times, every single time we're up there. Um, it's probably annoying, but I don't care. <laughs> um, because, because I think it's, it's another thing, what, what gets repeated gets remembered. And so if we're repeating Jesus and family and following and all of those concepts, uh, I really hope that, that as we push students along through um, their teenage years and as they leave, they're equipped um, not just with answers, but even how to think about life, how to critically manage the things that are in front of them. I wasn't prepared for that, but I know how to use the Bible and I know how to use the teachings of Jesus to look at it differently than the rest of the world looks at it. Um, I have two, two of my four children are in the student ministry, and, and so, you know, I'll pick them up on Sunday night, or, or they'll, get, they'll get home Sunday night, and, and I'll, I'll say, hey, and how, did, how did student ministry go tonight? And sometimes I, sometimes I get a grunt, um, sometimes I get a full-on explanation, and, and so, you know, I asked, I asked a while back, I said, hey, what, what, are, you guys, what are you guys learning right now in student ministry? And, and I, I got a grunt, basically. It was, you know, stuff, Bible. I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah. And I, you know, I've learned some of them. And so, it's better, and so then it's I better find, than nothing. Yeah, it's better than nothing. I, yeah, because that happened to me as a youth pastor. Parents would be like, hey, I heard you're teaching nothing. I was like, okay. Uh, Got me. So, so literally, I, I asked Andrew, I, I mean, he, I mean, you work for me. But I, I was like, hey, so what are you, what are you teaching? Because I was like, are you teaching nothing? And he's like, you know, right now we're walking through the names the names of God, basically, that are in Isaiah chapter 9, you know, wonderful counselor, mighty, mighty warrior, I can't, I'm a prince of peace, you know, uh, and I'm like, that's, that's pretty deep, like, you guys are teaching some stuff, so as a parent, and as we think about parents, what's something that you want parents to know this morning, and why should parents encourage their students to come to Elevate? I think... I mean, there's so many things that, that you want to say when you have a question like that come at you. But I think, I think a lot of kind of the biggest thing almost comes back to, to what we talked about, started talking about last week with Abide. Um, 
is that consistency kind of breeds connection. Consistency with the Bible will lead to connection with the Father. Consistently being plugged into the source leads to growth, leads to connectedness. And, and I think that's, that's the same thing is true for, for ministry. Um, and I think even just, just being in the building, being at um, our Sunday nights or Sunday mornings, things consistently builds those things. Uh, but I think that's also true in the home. Uh, what, again, what gets repeated, what gets said over and over is what gets remembered. And so um, as our students, you know, are hearing about Jesus in the Bible and seeing um, a life of following him modeled here, there's this, this terribly scary number that, you know, out of 52 weeks, on average, a student gets, I may say a student, 40 hours in a year compared to 30,000 that a parent will see um, a student. Um, I promise you, I will, be, I will be here shouting the name of Jesus and helping our students try to navigate life. But 40 is not a lot <laughs> in a year. Um, and so the consistency of, of seeing Jesus here, hearing about Jesus, learning about Jesus here, but that being carried into their homes, their, their everydays, their, their, their normal schedule. We, we talk about it all the time on staff, what's get, what gets scheduled gets done. What gets planned gets, gets done. And, and I try very hard, Shane and I try very hard, even with our small children, to, to be very intentional and in, in planning about, is Jesus in our home? Are our children not just seeing who Jesus is and learning stories about, about how to follow him with their life in, in Hill Kids, but are they actually seeing us model that? You know, are we having those conversations, even at, at three and two, about who Jesus is and, and what, how we should live our life according? Pastor Cedric, as, as the pastor who does the majority of our counseling, as you look back at 2020 and and as you reflect on 2020 and some of the things that people encountered, what do you see for this upcoming year as people continue to navigate this uncertain culture? Uh, yeah, so interestingly enough, um, from a counseling perspective, um, I didn't have any conversations in reference to 2020, not one. Um, <laughs> Nobody, nobody, nobody sat an appointment with me and come and sat in my office from a counseling perspective and said, I need help navigating the culture or how do I handle a pandemic? Not, not a single conversation. In the hallway, yes. From a teaching perspective, yes. Scripturally, yeah, but not from a counseling perspective. Um, what took place uh, in 2020 and in 2019 and 18 and 17 and 16 and 15 and 14 and 13 and 12, um, what took place during those years and what will take place this year, um, it's the same thing. Um, it's things like marriages are broken. Um, most of my counseling is in reference to broken marriages. Um, it's, it's when we lose sight of who God is in the context of marriage. Uh, it is in reference to parenting. Uh, if you're a parent, you know how exhausting it is and how tiring it is and how, if we're being honest, it's really not that much fun. Um, and so... That's the kind of conversations that I have. Um, it's helping parents navigate, navigate that. How do I parent my child the way that God is calling me to effectively and not the way that I want to? Um, also, people are anxious, man. People are anxious about everything. Um, some people eat too much. Some people don't eat enough. Some people don't sleep. Some people can't sleep. Some people sleep too much. And all of it is in reference to anxiety. And sometimes we, 
we get caught up in the, the manifestation of anxiety, but people don't realize that they're anxious. They're, they're, they're anxious about things, and the Bible's pretty clear about, about anxiety, so it's helping people navigate that. Uh, and so, you know, I, I looked at this question when you, when you sent it to me, and, and I know that there's maybe an expe- expectation of like, oh, how did 2020 affect the accounting ministry? It didn't. Um, what affected it was Judges 21, 25, and I want to read it for you. Um, and Judges 21, 25 says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's why I have a job. <laughs> it's because y'all just do whatever y'all want to do. Um, it's because that's why. I mean, so if you just start doing what God wants you to do, I would have to find another job from a counseling perspective. And so, and so that's honestly, that's what it is. I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny. That's, that's what it is. And so, and when I say y'all, I'm talking to myself as well. Like, I, I only get off the rails when I'm like, I think I could just be my own king. And so, um, and I've done a lot of studying on that portion of scripture, and I think we look at it from an overarching standpoint, meaning like, oh, well, like, you know, Israel removed their king as a whole. But, you know, what I've learned in such a short space of time is we remove the king in the small areas of our lives before we do it in the whole. And so when I remove the king of, my ma- of the king that orders my marriage, my marriage isn't going to work. When I remove the king that orders and gave me the instructions on how I manage my money, it's not going to work. When I remove the king of how I'm supposed to handle my emotions, it's not going to work. And so, so that is what happened last year. That's what happened the year before that. Mm-hmm. And that's probably what's going to happen this year as well. People aren't going to change, right? And so, and you know, and I, and I, I don't say that hopeless. Um, I, I really don't. I think there was a section, there was a time as a young pastor where I was really hopeless and I thought, why am I even doing this? Like, it doesn't seem like people are, are growing and people are getting it. But that's actually not true. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are growing, and they are getting it. And marriages are getting better, and parents are getting better. And we are doing a better job of managing our response to, to anxious times. We're getting better, but what is better is people's spiritual growth. It's not because I, it's not because I pulled out some counseling trick. It's just because I have been committed to, to saying to them what the Scripture is saying to them, uh, and, and obviously helping, helping clear that up and, and bring some clarity to that conversation. But pe- people are getting better. Our church is getting better. We're getting healthier from, from a counseling perspective uh, in, in, in regards to those things. And those aren't the only things. Those are just the, those are the main ones. But, but I don't say that hopeless. I don't, I don't say it as if we're, like, we're not, we're not going to get any better or we're not progressing. Um, but that's, that's the main thing. It's, it's when we stay connected to who God is, um, his systems work. So what would you say to someone who might be thinking that they should meet with you? They should see someone and talk to someone, but they think there's, there's a, a stigma, there's a, negative, there's, a, there's a negative kind of feeling about seeing a counselor or seeing someone about an issue that you have. What would you say to that person today? Yeah, I heard a pastor one time, he said, I don't do any counseling. Um, if someone comes in my office with a problem, I tell them, repent, and then that's the end of the counseling session. <laughs> and uh, I tried that one time and it didn't work um, <laughs> and so um, <laughs> I do think that there is value there is value in the, in the counseling process uh, I, think, I think in God's grace and mercy he has added the therapeutic process to his word not the other way around I've seen a lot of Christian counselors and a lot of pastors they try to do the other way around and I, I have two counseling degrees and so sometimes it's easy to do that it's easy to just lean into the therapeutic process into the cognitive behavioral therapy process and remove the scriptural things. Um, and that's why I love doing what I do in the context with which I do it, because I get to have the greatest access to 
um, the thing that helps people the most, which is a personal relationship with God. And so, so if you're skeptical about the counseling process, what I would say is in God's grace and mercy, along with his word, along with teaching of his word, along with the local body, along with pastoral guidance, along with, with, with um, a local shepherd, he has, he has uh, given us a way to add the therapeutic process to that. And so there is, there is value in that. There is value in cognitive behavioral therapy. There is value in, in, in learning how to manage your emotions, but it's not separate from what the scripture has called us to do. So if you're skeptical about that, um, God gave us that. He, it, there's value in it. And the other thing is, it, it doesn't, it, it, it's, it's counterproductive to try and, and become better on your own. God didn't make us that way. He made us to be in community. He made us to be in relationship. And so there's somebody that God has equipped to help you through a particular um, struggle in your life, even if it's just for a momentary, even if, just, it's just, even if it's just momentary. And so I think all of us struggle with that. We struggle with, I don't, I want to figure this out on my own. I want to do this on my own. And if you look through scripture, God didn't do that. He, he always, he always brought people alongside people to get them to where he wanted them to be. So if you're skeptical about it, that's, that would be my answer to that question. The last question is pretty simple, but what does it look like logistically to have an appointment with you? Yeah, um, the, I mean, it's just pretty simple. I just, you just contact the office or send me an email, and, and we start the process there. But I, I want to add something to that, and this isn't me trying to get out of work, or it isn't me trying to, to be lazy. Um, but what I've learned is I think you guys don't realize that you can help each other in some ways more than I can. Um, a lot of what I say in a counseling setting is, is in theory. <laughs> I, I learned it out of a textbook. I've, I've learned it um, from Scripture, and I've seen it applied, and I've seen it worked. Uh, I've seen it work, but a lot of it isn't from a personal, from a personal perspective. Like, I've never, I've never been divorced, so I, I, I can't say, oh, yeah, let me give you my personal, <laughs> let me give you my experience with that. And so... So the easiest way is just to email or, or call the office and set up a time. But the, the other thing I would say is, look, the local body is structured in a way where we, we're skilled to help each other. Yes, you may not have a counseling degree. Yes, you may not have, got, not have gone to school to do that. But there's some things that you have that I don't have. Um, and if we take the same scripture that I'm reading and the same scripture that you're reading and using the experience that God has put you through and how you've grown from that, you could greatly aid the person that needs help and you could aid us as, as, as we lead people through that. So, yeah, by all means, if, if you want to go through a counseling process and a therapeutic process, absolutely, let's, let's set something up and, and come and talk to me. But don't, don't, don't think that I'm the end-all, be-all. Um, there's, there's people in the room that are, are just greater equipped in a particular area than I am, even though that, you know, I may be a professional, so to speak. There's, there, there's people in the room that, that can do something that, that, I, that, I, that I can't do, so... Uh, Kyle. Kyle leads Hill Kids Ministry here, and I've got some similar questions for him that I had for Andrew. Tell your teachers that we're sorry, by the way, because we're going to go late. So. Well, I'll shorten it up. I don't have any answers. <laughs> <laughs> so, <I'm just> <laughs> yeah. so what are the biggest things that you focus on as the pastor to our, our children's ministry? Yeah, um, so <clears throat> I don't have these in like any particular order, but um, one of our core values is train. Um, and so one of my, one of the things that I've always focused, focused on is developing leaders. Um, and so <clears throat> when I say that, I'm, I'm actually talking about the kids, uh, more than the adults. And what I mean by that is just 
our, our kids are like, <coughs> excuse me, they're, they're just very awkward, which is okay. I mean, they're kids. When I was a kid, I was awkward. I'm 28, and I'm still awkward. So, I mean, that's just something that kind of doesn't change, but it can. Um, and so to try to, to try to develop them into leaders, um, mainly the older kids, because the, the younger kids are just quite, they're not really ready for it yet, but I, I have them come on stage, and, and they read scripture in front of the class, and they pray, and um, like Evan, Evan loves to help, um, and so he, he will do, like we, we take offering back there just so they understand the importance of that, and um, kids lead worship, and so they, they're doing all these things, and, and I continue to explain to them every week, like, hey, you're doing these things because, you know, yes, you're kids now, but in 15 years, like, you're, you're the church. Um, so you, I mean, you have to be equipped to do these things. Like, I mean, we could all be dead. We, you know, we don't know. Um, and so just, just so they're ready to, to kind of know, like, hey, this is, this is what I need to do um, as I grow and as I learn and, and become an adult and, and move into the student ministry and things like that. Um, so that's, that's one of the things. And then another thing is just, I mean, for myself, my, my teaching and my spiritual growth. If I'm, you know, if I'm not growing spiritually, then my teaching is terrible, and um, really there's no point for me to have a job because <laughs> I'm not doing what I, what I should be doing. Um, and, and so kind of what I, what I really want to focus on, I'm always reading and, and doing things to, to become better, but one thing that I've, like, lacked is, is watching and listening to other pastors. Um, I mean, I, like, watch, I watch and listen to our pastors, but pastors from other churches, I've kind of just been like, oh, I think I think our pastors are good, so I'm just going to watch and listen to, to the ones we have. But um, something I really want to focus on, um, like really for 2021, is, is watching and listening to not even just other kid pastors, but just other pastors to see their teaching of, or their style of teaching and things like that. Um, and then community. Um, I think community is big. When I first started working here, um, there were a couple, a couple parents asked me, like, what are, what are we going to do for outreach? Um, my answer really wanted to be, I mean, we have Sunday mornings. You can invite people to church. Um, but that's like selfish. That, made me, that question made me mad answer. Um, so things that, things that I do to, to try to involve the community is VBS and just like the little random events we have. So we have like our Christmas uh, party and we have, last year we had like a missions night and things like that. So, um, I mean, even if, even if the kids aren't going, your kids are obviously coming to church, but if, if their friends aren't coming to church, have them come to, like, a missions night and things like that so they can learn these things. Um, I mean, I, again, I, I told you earlier, like, I was 21 or 22 when I got saved, so I had no clue what any of this stuff was. And so it doesn't, I mean, they can come to church and they can learn these things even if they don't know who Christ is. So the co- community is something I really want to focus on. Uh, more just just because I feel like that's maybe maybe is something I have like slacked on a little bit um, and then family connection so um, I I always ask a question every week of like hey have, like how how are things going reading your Bible and and praying at home and some kids are shy and they don't they just don't want to share but kids that I I know that are comfortable sharing they they don't raise their hand they don't answer um, and it's a lot it it's a lot of kids and it, it kind of breaks my heart. <laughs> I'm going to try not to cry, but um, 
I mentioned earlier, <laughs> I mentioned earlier, they're, I mean, they're the future. Um, so, <laughs> like, do something at home. Pastor Andrew mentioned it, like, I mean, we have 40 hours with them. That's not enough. So, there's things that we provide. I mean, we have take-home things that you can do. Um, we have online resources, and, and we have other things. So, like, I mean, the, the unfiltered thing is just, just don't be lazy. Just do stuff at home. Um, and, I mean, we, we have the resources for you to do it. So, so please start doing it because it's important. And, and we love your kids, and we want to see them grow and, and share, share the gospel and love, share the love of Christ. Is that your one thing that you want parents to know? That does tie into the, yeah. the next question, yes. <laughs> so Dave, Dave Curie, he's been on our staff for 16 plus years. He's no stranger to many of you. But he's not the face that you see very often. But he is attached to just about everything that you see. And so he handles all things tech, media, communication, you name it. Pastor Dave's hand is on it social media all the way to our broadcast to lights all of it and so I, I wanted Dave to share a little bit about how our church is currently using technology how, how are we using technology in our and church? like you said most uh, most of the areas in our church actually have some sort of technology in them and the, that we use but some of the biggest things that we do our church website uh, which we're actually in the in the midst of uh, talking about uh, revamping that and making that better uh, and uh, to add those some of those resources that we do need online um, but our social media platforms video announcements online giving our live stream um, and also even within the service our audio video lyrics lighting um, all those things really take some of those things uh, really take technology but the thing with um, even though that we have a lot of things that are digital um, or online we still have uh, we have about 10 people right now that are serving on a Sunday morning in our tech ministry to be able to uh, run our service and also our three adult Bible study classes that which we just started um, recording those and putting those uh, online so hmm. to be able to watch. Hmm. How, how many people do we reach on a weekly basis through our online content? Now that's a that's really hard to pinpoint because um, number one, it varies so much, but also sometimes it's hard to find exact numbers um, uh, like through Facebook and things like that. But they do give us some, some things and we try to um, keep track to make sure that we are effective in what we do. Uh, but we estimate that we have um, an average of 250 people that watch our service live every week. Um, and during a uh, full week, there are over 9,000 minutes viewed um, through our three platforms that our services um, is, uh, are live streamed and recorded to. Um, and we reach on social media about 1,000 people a week um, through the different things. But once again, it varies from week to week, but those are some rough estimates. Hmm. So how, what would you say to those that find it hard to accept that so many people are participating virtually right now, you know, with online content. It's, it's strange for me. I'm a dinosaur, so I don't, I mean, you don't want Pastor Eric or I doing your media, 
we just, you just don't want us. It's kind of funny watching Pastor Eric use his phone. We make fun of him all the time. But, but as far as technology goes, how, like what would you say to somebody who finds it hard to, like why are we investing all this time? Right. We know the people, there's some people that just can't come to every service. And we understand that. And, um, and before we started our live stream service two years ago, it's been uh, two years ago, actually this month, that we started live streaming our service, we had that discussion of um, we didn't want people to take advantage and just skip a service because it was convenient. Um, but we, we did realize that people, there was a need for people that are traveling uh, on vacations or just being sick. So whether we have an in-person service or not, um, what we do with the technology is important. Um, our goal for all of our tech ministries is kind of threefold. We want to enhance worship, allow people to hear the message of Jesus Christ, and to promote spiritual practices. So everything that we do with technology has those things in mind. The, the thing about, um, really, we have a service that's an hour long. There are 168 hours in a week. So if we have an hour service, there's 167 hours left. Um, and we want people to still pray, read God's word, and worship Jesus. So almost a better question is, you know, what are we doing with those off hours for people to, um, to be able to participate? And so some of those things, and we... We're trying, we're striving to be better in what we do um, with technology, especially our online presence. Um, but some of those things, we, we do provide the live stream uh, for people to watch and the, those people that are watching even right now. But also people use that as an opportunity to go back and re-listen to the message to grow even more in their faith. Um, and our social media, we, uh, we post about twice a day. Um, and that, with things to prompt people to uh, read scripture, prompts to pray, um, or just engage with each other in different ways. And the thing about social media, it is, um, it's one of those things, the more people that view and like and comment our posts, the more people that will see those posts. So if you do see a post on social media, um, right now we're on Facebook and Instagram. If you see those things, uh, put a like on it. Make a, you know, make a comment. Uh, some of the comments can be, are just fun to get you to engage with other people. But what we've seen is people outside of our church start to see those posts. And it's a way to, you know, an outreach to some of those people. Well, last but not least is Josh down here at the end. Josh is, he handles our, our missions. He's our outreach director. And so specifically with missionaries, how, how has this past year affected missionaries? Uh, well, it's, it's been pretty interesting. Um, honestly, starting from January is kind of when I started transitioning in. Um, then COVID hit in March. Um, which, again, my flesh says, curveball, look out, you know, what's going on here, God? Um, but, uh, you know, 
it's impacted the missionaries so many different ways over this last year. Um, honestly, I started thinking, saying, okay, what, how, what has it impacted them mm-hmm. uh, through this? Um, they've had to experience everything from having, being forced home uh, for three months, six months, some maybe still not back, um, you know, which, which on the flip side is kind of a blessing for them as well. Some aren't even able to come home, but they're, they're stuck, uh, you know, currently where they're at in their country, um, you know, d- dealing with passport issues and renewals. I couldn't believe how many, how many things came up with that this year. You know, it seemed like 2020 was the big year to, you know, everybody's doing their t- 10 years or whatever to get that done. Um, techno- technology issues, that, that's, you know, it's something we take for granted so much here. You know, many of our missionaries don't even have the ability uh, to stream, do live stream, reach their people. They have to get creative, and that's hard to do. That's hard to do when they're uh, being told that they have to stay inside their homes and they can't come out other than select hours or, um, you know, deal, dealing with this. So that's been very uh, tough for them. Um, again, the government, um, how they're kind of controlling the missionaries and what's going on uh, there, enforcing rules. Um, and, and honestly, none of this surprises God. Right. I think we have to remember that, that, you know, we look at this and we go, oh, here's all the things kind of like Pastor Cedric said, you know, you look at, at, at 2020 and, and, you know, a lot of this has already been going on anyways. You know, there are some circumstances that, that have created it and made it, you know, more tough uh, for many of our missionaries. Um, but we have to remember that they've, they're dealing with persecution all the time. You know, the persecution they deal with looks a lot different and it seems to be a lot more intense compared to, to what we take for granted here in America. So, you know, I sit back and try to try to remember what that looks like um, for them as, as I continue to email um, and just try to stay in contact with them because, again, they're, they may be frustrated through their flesh, but, you know, I don't see the hopelessness, right? They're still smiling. They're still proclaiming God, doing everything that they can uh, to reach people for their mission every single day, what God, what God has laid on their heart to do. So, um, yeah, so it's been, been Real quickly, what, what have, as you've talked to missionaries, how has it affected them financially this year? I mean, yeah, so, yeah, that, that, uh, that's been tough. There, there have been some missionaries who honestly have just lost so much funding that they've had to leave their field, their mission. So there, that's been challenging. Um, there's some, because of the financial circumstances that they've lost, uh, they've, they've had to focus not necessarily on their mission, but now they're going back to the funding stages of uh, we've got we to pick up more funds. We have to, how are we going to stay funded and continue to do what God has called us to do here? You know, that's, that's kind of a, a big concern uh, for many of them. Um, some of them, praise God, they, they've had, you know, their answer, you know, to, to prayer and, and funding. Um, but, you know, thank goodness for West Hill, and all of you and your faithfulness, because we, we have not had to drop a single missionary due to funding, to, to any financial issues whatsoever. So honestly, thank you for your faithfulness, and we just praise God for that. And all, all of the missionaries, that's the one thing they told, you know, have told me through our conversations is, look, that's, it's just crazy. You know, a lot of churches see maybe we're not being able to do what we do. They're questioning what we do, and you just committed to us. You partnered with us. And you've stayed through, you know, financial support, prayer, all of that, uh, through the hard times. They're dealing with some of the cha- most challenging times, and they never thought they'd have to deal with us necessarily. So, um, yeah, so thank you. Yeah. So what things are on the horizon in 2021 that you could share today with our church, just with missions and 
yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited about uh, seeing how our church becomes more mission-minded. Um, seeing, you know, there's, there's several of you who, who are so faithful at reading the letters and, and so, you know, so very involved in contact with me, asking what's going on with our missionaries. And uh, I just want to see the, the church grow in that area. Um, I don't want it to be just isolated necessarily to uh, one month in a year where we highlight a few missionaries. Um, I, I want to be questioned all the time. And not only that, I want to equip you to be able to do that as well. There are, there are some interactive processes that I'm working on, um, you know, that, that you'll be able to see what's going on with many of our missionaries. And I don't want it to be just exclusive to me. Yes, it is my job here through the church to be able to maintain contact, work through financial support, all of that. Um, but when we say partner, I want to partner with them. Prayer, finances, having continual conversations throughout the year. I, w I want you to do that just as much as myself, you know. And, and there are many of you who have that burden or, say, you know, have, have even talked to me. I, d I don't know how to do this. I don't know what that looks like. Um, and again, there, like I said, there's a couple interactive processes and, and just equipping you to be able to continually pray and see and hear the heartbeat of, of what's going on behind uh, the missionaries that we support. Yeah, well, thank you guys for sharing. I have one more question, so make your answers short because kids are going to go crazy. So what are you guys most excited about in the coming year? Honestly, for me, um, I, I'm really excited to see uh, how God's going to work through each and every one of us here. I'm excited to see how he's going to equip every one of you, like we've talked about, um, I'm excited to see your stories unfold, how you're going to continue to fulfill your individual missions that, that uh, God has laid on your heart, um, and, and honestly just praise and glorify him. I know that he's going to do big things. Um, I, I have total faith in that he, you know, he's going to do big things through each and every one of you, and that, that's what I'm excited about. As I, I continue to have conversations with many of you, um, I just, you, you hear the heartbeat behind uh, who, who we are as a family, who, what God is doing here. And uh, that, that, for me, is what really excites me for 2021. Um, the most exciting thing is just uh, really is just waiting, waiting to see what God does. Um, and I think I'm wording it that way because I've been excited about planning things or excited about what I've had planned. And some of those things work, and they are exciting. But... Um, I'm still not God, and so I think I'm most excited to watch, just watch and see what God does. For me, uh, I'm, I'm excited that to see, despite whatever circumstances this new year brings into our path, and I think we all sense that there are incredible changes, uh, not only uh, worldwide, but culturally here in America, and then also within churches, and this last year has been a, a tremendous, uh, uh, a tremendously introspective year for churches, but I'm really excited to be a part of the process of growing community here at West Hill, and as a result of the, of the awareness of community, real community, what does that mean to each one of us and to us corporately, that there would be then an increase in unity. And that all of this would be energized much more evidently by the power of prayer. I think for me, I'm going to go first. Uh, I think for me, it's 
developing leaders. We, one of our core values is train, and we have, we have two men who are, who are a part of our, our church, um, Dr. Jason Wetz and Tyler George. They're both ministry apprentices, and I'm looking forward to, to them being a part of our, our intern team this year, and Tyler teaches in student ministry and works with Alethea. Dr. Jason is, is helping in a variety of different areas inside the church and teaching his Hebrew class, and so I'm looking forward to the opportunity to see them grow to, and then send them out to do ministry in the future. So that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to see what God will do, uh, first of all, in and then through a, a unified church family. Pretty much the same, just anticipating what God is going to do this year. I don't have anything new to add. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, good, good job, Kyle. Um, I hope... I hope that this conversation has been encouraging to you. I hope that when you walk out of here today that you feel like you know us a little bit better, that you know a little bit more about what we're doing, what we're passionate about. But more than that, I hope that in some way you've been inspired to get involved. To, if you're maybe on the sidelines or maybe you're, you're, you're sitting in the back row. I don't mean that like you're in the back row, but you're just kind of in the background. And you're not involved, and you're not in community. You're not serving. You're not in partnership with us. We, we really, we, we can't do the things that we've talked about without you. you know, we, we truly are, and it's as, as cliche as it sounds, we truly are better together. And so we have, a, we have a job to do. Ephesians 4 told us what it is. That is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And the work of the ministry is declaring the goodness and the greatness of our God. And I hope that each and every one of you will join and be a part of that with us. That we would all be working together to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. There is, there is more to West Hill Baptist Church than the 60 minutes that we experience right here on a Sunday morning. That there is more ministry going on than just what we see right here in the building. That there's ministry going on all throughout the week, and we would love for you to join us as we do that together. And so I hope it's been an encouragement to you. If you have any further questions, we're always an open book, and we would love to answer any of those questions or bring any more clarity to some of the things that you may have heard. Um, but... We want to be a church that is focused on knowing Christ and making him known. Nothing more, nothing less. He must increase, and we must decrease. And so we're going we're gonna to pray together, and then we're going to dismiss. And I want to thank you so much for being here today, for listening, and I hope you all have a wonderful week. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are grateful and we are thankful that, that you have given us your son, Jesus, to pursue, to imitate, to love, and to reflect. And so God, as we have had this conversation today, as we have talked about all the things that we'd like to do, Lord, we don't want to do, do, do them without you. And so God, we invite you into this moment, we invite you into this year, as if inviting you into it is something we can do, but we want to, we want to welcome you into our lives. We, wanna, we don't want to push you out. We don't want to push you away. We want to keep our eyes laser-focused on Jesus. 
Lord, that there are so many people out there that are hurting, that are broken. There are so many lost people out there who have yet to be saved. So God, I pray that you would use us, that you would use this, this body, that we would be unified around the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we would decrease and that you would increase and that we would live to make you known and to make you famous. God, we, we can do nothing apart from you, as you have said in your word. So help us to remain connected to the source of life. And that source of life is Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.